Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good morning. It is a, a beautiful Tuesday morning here in the Brackhouse Station area. And um, I would uh, like to say, Stephanie, she got she got caught up in jury duty and then she's out, but she's behind at work. So uh, anyway, uh, it's me and Thaddeus, who we're glad we're here. Uh, Good morning, Trey. Yeah, and how so, you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Doing great. Awesome. Well, let me let's begin with a prayer. Uh, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and, their, and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our, our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II. Pray, Pray for, for us. us, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. In the Father, and the Son, Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. All righty. So, um, uh, today... What are you going to tap for us today, Trey? Today, today, I think that it would be good. Uh, there have been so much, so much stuff that I've seen out there um, with regard to Pope Francis' new apostolic exhortation, Rejoice and be glad, I guess it's gaudete et exultate. <laughs> I think it's how it's, spelled, how it's uh, pronounced. But I wanted to focus on on really what he's trying to get at here. We can, you can get in the details, but what he's pointing to is something the church has always taught. But I got to look, contextualize this. I mean, I, my conversion, one of the, one of the chief points of my conversion was I, I thought God had something for me to do, which he does. Can I break in here for a second? Yeah. Yeah. Now, people who are listening for the first time, when you talk about your conversion, you were born and raised Catholic. Yeah. No, I was a born and raised Catholic. And you're uh, talking about where you got. Well, what I, where I really, I don't know what, how. Made the faith I, your own, you might say. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I made it my own, but it became kind of living and active in my day-to-day yeah. life and it, there was a moment yeah and it was due it was due to exposure some some good baptist friends of mine who had me in a bible study and challenged me but but not only challenged me from the standpoint of in my faith which which actually helps strengthen it but but challenged me just from the fact that what i saw of them were, were people who honestly um and sincerely were trying to live their lives for jesus they were they were trying to make decisions um, in their business and with their kids and with their wife and in every aspect, they really legitimately and sincerely were saying he is the answer to all my questions. And so not that I don't think I've ever seen that before, but, but, but I don't think I'd ever been around people who I was that close to who I, I could actually see it at work and the struggles that they were going through and trying to make the right decisions. It was and, that time of your life. They were peers of yours. Yeah, they were right. They so were, same, they were sim, same age, similar, you know, had kids just, right. to, just, just really confronted me with, with, um, a way of looking at, it. and and I've I've actually I've mentioned this before, that they had such a great impact that, and given the fact that while I look back and I know, from my perspective at that moment in time, uh, 
there were, I was like, well, these people are living in a way that I hadn't really seen in my Catholic friends or even in my Catholic family members, which I'm not, not absolutely certain that that's true, but that's how I, how I perceived it. And so I was challenged. And when I went off to get my master's in theology, I actually have this book, which you can see is tattered. You guys can't see it out there, but Thaddeus can, which is the, which are the Vatican II documents. And the very first class that I took when I, when I was started working on my master's in theology, that very first class was on the documents of Vatican II. I read, um, the church and the, oh my gosh, uh, I read the, I read the you know one of the documents in there with regard to how the church these church fathers were calling us to live out our faith I literally I remember actually saying this to Stephanie I said just bear with me I said this is a protestant document mm-hmm. <laughs> and from the way I was saying it I I meant that as a as a positive in light of the guys that I was around, it, it didn't take long for it to hit me between the eyes that, that maybe my experience of them was more what Catholics were called to than maybe I was experiencing in my life and in many other Catholics that I had seen um, live out. And I, and I think that, um, you know, we as Catholics need to remember that, you know, that, that the foundation of the church, the beginning of the church, um, Peter, on, there, there were bold people <laughs> who lived extraordinary lives and, um, and that they were an example to us, not just somebody that we hold up as a hero, but something that calls us to something more, that calls us to uh, live it out. And I'd actually pulled out... Um, this, because I, I, I would, if you would, if you have any time, I would say, go and get the Vatican II documents. I would particularly, you know, you could start with Lumen Gentium or on the call to, I mean, on the, the church in the modern world, or if you're a Bible scholar, then, you know, on the, on divine revelation, which is outstanding. I know, I know some Protestant people that were converted by that document, or at least, were pointed to what the church teaches with regard to the um, inspir- the divine inspiration of the words of scripture, but also putting in the context of the way we as Catholics look at how do we know what the church, what the Bible is actually saying and how do we interpret it day to day. But I'm looking currently at chapter five of uh, on the church in the modern world, Lumen Gentium, and I, this is one of the ones that hit me. And you can see, I mean, my, it's brutalized. I've read it multiple times, but it's titled The Call to Holiness in this translation. It's actually the universal call to holiness. And that was something that really struck me. I don't know if Hattie's, I mean, you went to a, you went to a Catholic school, maybe, maybe it was, and, and you're a little bit younger than me. Uh, but yeah, I, and some of my, some of our listeners might say, yeah, you went to a Jesuit Catholic school. Right. And that <laughs> can mean, and that can mean different things for uh, different people. Right. Well, Father Mitch Pack was one of my favorite. He's a yes. Jesuit. So yes. they're, they're the, uh, and the Holy Father's a Jesuit. And the Holy Father's a Jesuit who we'll talk about. But but when I when I had my conversion, there was a moment, I don't you know, growing up the way I did, where because of the intensity of the encounter that I had with Jesus at that time, and the call to change that he was asking me to, and my willingness to dive in um, with both feet, I remember thinking, oh, I miss my calling. God wants me to be a priest. (laughs) And and I think maybe that might not be since that might not be what any of the younger people out there listening's experience has been because I think this is this teaching has been there. But I do think that people my age, mid fifties and older, many of them um, kind of perceived the you know if you're really holy, if you're really you know on fire that that you know you you would become a priest or a brother or something along those lines that 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 if you weren't as holy or weren't as um 
strongly a relationship with Jesus, then you went and did what everybody else does, which is, you know, get a job, get married, have kids, that type of stuff. Have you ever had that? I mean, I don't think I'm the only one my age and older that's, yeah. that's had that experience. But um, I think what this document and what the church. I'm picking up what you're, what you're putting down. No, right. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I think this document by Pope Francis is really an extension of the Vatican II document. And, and we'll actually get to some of what he says, but I think it's important to remember that this is not something new. He's not, he's not proposing something that hasn't always been proposed. Um, instead, he's trying to say, and I, and I find comfort in what, to the words, and we'll hit some of them in what he says with regard to our applying this teaching of we're all called to be saints. Yeah. Can I add something here yeah, to your, sure. your testimony? Um, you mentioned your your Protestant peers, and he he writes in uh, number nine of the first chapter. He says, "Holiness is the most attractive face of the church, but even outside the Catholic Church and in very different contexts, the Holy Spirit raises up quote signs of His presence which help Christ's followers." And then he quotes none other than Pope Saint John Paul II who reminded us that, quote, the witness to Christ born even to the shedding of blood has become a common inheritance of Catholics, Orthodox, Anglicans, and Protestants. So I mean, St. Pope John Paul II said, Trey, don't be surprised that our separated brethren can nevertheless still inspire you. They were witnesses to me. With the way they lived their lives. And if you had to, if you had... If I had to point to, I could name the people, I could name when it happened, I could name the day. I'm not saying that everybody has that, but but when when it happened, and I I can tell you for whatever reason, um, God used those people to change my life to to get me redirected. Now let me let me be clear, okay? I was a guy. We never missed church, okay? I, I was a guy, there were, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not, when I say nominal, I'm not saying a person who, oh, you know, will take Sunday off or whatever. I might even go to a daily mass here and there. So, I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is. Maybe working adoration saying, in. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not like, I wasn't a guy that had gone off and, you know, yeah. joined, it, it decided to leave the church. I, I hadn't, I was very faithful um, in terms of just my outward Going so I'm I'm talking about something that is actually a more lived experience from you know from Sunday to Sunday I guess. So you're basically just telling us that you're like a much better Catholic than all the rest of us out here. But right? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying that I'm striving for what and it was these documents that were all called to that. Uh, I'm right. a sinner. I, I'm it, you know what I found was is the, the closer I tried to get it. This is not and that's what I love about what he says here because i think many times we're called to be saints all of us are called to be saints everybody who hears this voice and everybody who doesn't everybody who's in uh, alive right now god is calling you to be a saint that's that we know to be true the issue is is that sometimes and again maybe it's something that 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 stems from my how old i am maybe it isn't he makes he makes reference to this, but we can perceive that saints are some they're otherworldly, meaning they're 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 not really attainable. They're somebody who's who's different, and I think what he's trying to do here is make us remember that everybody, even the great saints, were sinners. They'd be the first one to tell you that. In number eleven, he writes, "We are all called to be witnesses." But there are many actual ways of bearing witness, right? And that, and so what? I, hopefully, we can go through this, and and it fits really well, I think, in the context of of what this show has tried um, to do, which is to help people recognize that holiness. Um, I guess we need to talk. Maybe start with what a definition being about. You know, my old. I can hear my old uh, theology professor saying, "Well, define your terms, Trey." You know. Uh, um, I think it's really important because I, 
I, I have had people say, well, you know, that person is holy. And if you ask them, well, why, why do you say he's holy? You know, it's well, cause he prays, you know, every day and he's, you know, he carries himself like a holy person. Like, what does that mean? I mean, um, my experience of him has been kind of a jerk <laughs> mm-hmm. in most cases is not extraordinarily charitable. Um, and maybe my definition is wrong too, but we throw around holiness. And sometimes I think what we have in mind is this, I, the best definition that, that I, um, have, um, is holiness means to be in union with God, God who alone is holy, shares himself with us. And we say yes to his sharing and accept what he gives to us and allow him to work in and through us with what we have. There's a quote from Pope Benedict. I wish I had it before he was Pope um, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger and um, that, that he says, he says, you know, what this world needs now, I'm going to paraphrase is not better management, but is holiness. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't need people. And, and I think you, it, you know, mother, Tr- Saint, uh, mother Tr- Teresa of Calcutta went as far as to say, you know, if I had tried to attack the problems in India by, um, fighting the existing laws and doing all that, I would still be fighting that. I would have never picked up one of the people who have, who I've addressed. And yet I would think some people would say, well, no, I mean, you, you're, you, 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 these are the fruits of the problem. You need to attack the root of the problem. And I think as Christians, we're sometimes called wherever we are to dive into the situation in which we find ourselves. And sometimes we miss those, I think. The, the great saints don't miss them because you can get caught up in, well, I should be doing this. <laughs> but Mother Teresa says, no, I, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to. Somebody else can fight that battle and maybe my witness will have an impact on that battle, but I'm not going to waste a moment that I could be spending with the poorest of the poor, with Jesus himself. Right. Yeah. And I, I love what the Holy Father writes in number seven in this document. Yeah. How can, number seven, I do it. How, how's the best way for these people to get this? Probably go to the Vatican website and it's there in PDF form. And you can just download it on a piece of paper. In English. I will link to this document okay, cool. in the show notes when we post the, the podcast of this show. Perfect. But that's the best way for them to get a Perfect. hold of it. Just so I think people should go get it. It's, it's really relatively, re, you know, reasonably easy for, for a papal document to yeah. be able to follow. Yeah, it's Anyways. very much everyday language. So number seven. But he writes, I like to contemplate, this is Pope Francis saying, I like to contemplate the holiness present in the patience of God's people. Yes. And this is who he he picks out. My favorite. You'd think from the media coverage, who would he pick out? You might have some categories in mind of who he picks out. But this is who he picks out. In those parents who raise their children with immense love, in those men and women who work hard to support their families in the sick in elderly religious who never lose their smile in their daily perseverance. I see the holiness of the church militant militant. Think of that. He said in their daily perseverance, those groups of people, I see the holiness of the church militant. I think it's very imp- often. It is the holiness found in our next door neighbors. Those who living in our midst reflect God's presence. We might call them, Quote the middle <laughs> class of holiness. What is he? I didn't see where, where that's he beautiful. Got that it is beautiful. No, it's awesome, and I and I think it's right on. It's right on target. We tend to think. Well, I mean, okay, I'll speak for myself. I've had a tendency, and I think I think others share this tendency to think that that holiness or sanctity or sainthood is something so heroic that. Everybody would see it, you know. It's you know the the being crucified for your beliefs or um, founding an order that has taken you know care of thousands of the poorest of the poor or whatever it is. That's what we think. I think what he's getting at here, and it's true, we are part of the church militant. 
You know, it's it's part of the battle, the the the, the militariness, the fight in this world. It is part of the battle for us in our holiness, in our union with God to attack everyday life, realizing that it's exactly in the everyday life that people become desperate. It's exactly in the daily life that people give up. It's exactly in the in the day to day stuff. Right. It's not that right. I I didn't achieve, you know, my millionaire business accomplishment that caused people to to despair it frequently what causes people to despair is i don't know how to deal with these kids or i don't you know i can't find a job that work i mean there's all these different ways that this despair and lack of hope and all that comes up we like the the guys that changed my life because of what we already talked about this because there were people just like me. <laughs> there are people who are similar to me who are living ordinary lives, doing what, what they do. They could relate to me. They, they, they could relate to me. So for, for you out there who are struggling or for you who are not, if you find yourself in similar circumstances with, you know, misbehaving children or a struggle here or there or an illness that, that, that is, that is impacting your family life. If you're, whatever it is, y'all are meant to come together. God wants to use you to by your witness, by your day to day, by your joy in the midst of the struggles of dealing with unruly children. Yeah. And can I quote yeah. liberally from some more? Yeah, please. Some yeah, more, absolutely. So let, so let's take, to 14 because what Trey is saying just feeds right into this section called for you to not, not for you to the band, my favorite band, the greatest band in the history of the world. <laughs> um, but for you to Y O U T O O. And in 14, Pope Francis writes to be holy does not require being a Bishop. Yeah. That is not the case. We are all called to be holy by living our lives with love, and then let's insert there, love, living for, willing the good of the other, self-sacrificial um, action, and by bearing witness in everything we do, wherever we find ourselves. Then he jumps to 15. Let the grace of your baptism bear fruit in a path of holiness. Then 16. This is exactly what Trey's saying. This holiness to which the Lord calls you will grow through small gestures. Here's an example. Yeah, I love this. This got me choked up. A woman goes shopping. She meets a neighbor and they begin to speak and the gossip starts. But she says in her heart, no, I will not speak badly of anyone. This is a step forward in holiness. Later at home, one of her children wants to talk to her about his hopes and dreams, and even though she is tired, she sits down and listens with patience and love. That is another sacrifice that brings holiness. So he's saying, it's not holiness is not going out and you know working at the soup kitchen every day or demonstrating on the behalf of migrants or marching in the walk for life. As as good and noble and important as those things are, that's not what you have to do in order to be holy. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's when you, st when, again, this is a Catholic perspective, it takes the incarnation seriously. We've talked about it. it takes real life, everyday life seriously. I've said it before, everything that Christ did that Jesus, because he was God, the entirety of his life from conception to his passion, death and resurrection to where he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. Everything about that is meant to reveal something to ourselves. And I always ask the question. So we have, you know, his birth and it's pretty it's a struggle. And then they and then because of what's going on, they get they get sent to they have to go to Egypt to survive that and they come back and they can't go back to where they were where they stop in Nazareth because of that and and there's all this. But then you know, and then we have the finding in the temple, which is he's about 13 or so. We don't 
pick up with him till he was 30. There's 17 years, more than half his life. That is just silent. So much so, it's not like, okay, they just didn't record that stuff. They didn't get it. When he goes back home, they don't believe because he's the carpenter's son. Why? Because he was going to work every day doing that. So if we take seriously that, that Jesus reveals man to himself, as Pope Francis quote, I mean, not Pope Francis, as Pope John Paul II, St. Pope John Paul II always quoted Vatican II, that, that Jesus Christ reveals man to himself, then there is something to be said about the fact that for at least 17 years, we don't hear anything about him. And everything about his time during that must have looked very ordinary because the people, when he comes back as the Messiah with all these healings, they have a hard time grasping it. Because why? Because they hung out with the guy. They knew him. He was nothing special. He, he wasn't doing miracles during that. They would have been recorded. Or if he, they had been doing it, when he came back home and said, yeah, that's right, this guy was always the guy. My point is, is that in Christ himself and his revelation of man to himself, of, of his revelation of man to me and to you and to everybody out there, says a significant portion of your life. He lived 33 years, 17 of those years being, you know, teenager through adulthood. And I guess even back then, probably 13 or 14 would have probably been considered not like we think of teenagers, but probably somebody who's a productive part of society um, from a purely secular standpoint. He did that for 17 years. That should be good news to us who live the ordinary life, who nobody else has ever heard of. That's why he points to this, I think. He's trying to say it's the, the daily encounters, the daily just ordinariness of stuff that happens at the grocery, in the school, as we drive our kids to and from practices. That's exactly where it is. Nobody sees it. Nobody recognizes it. Mm -hmm. It's there. Number 18, in this way, led by God's grace, we shape by many small gestures the holiness God has willed for us. And, and again, I, I used the image that we've, we've used before here. It's the pitching of the pennies into the, it's those little small things. You know, I, I, the story of my friend whose father had died and they found this box where they knew he'd always pitch pennies. You know, like every penny that came in, he would just throw pennies into this box. Well, he'd been doing it for so many years it was almost a thousand dollars of pennies. I mean, they had like a crate. You know, had to get a. Wow. Yeah, it was this huge thing of pennies, but he'd never spent them. He just put them in this. And you think, what's a penny going to do? What's this little thing going to do? I think that most of us are tempted to believe what What are these little things? They're getting in the way of the greatness I'm called to. I think the Pope. I think the Church recognizes that the real sanctity, the real measure of holiness is in the day-to-day doing the little things, saying the one kind word, correcting the child with love, shopping, putting food on the table, you know, making sure those clothes are cleaned. That's where holiness lives. I think the devil is the one who says, you're meant for way more than this. When in fact, when in fact, what God is saying, this is exactly what you're meant for. You're, you're, you were right in the middle of it. Don't look past the sniffles that a kid has. Don't look past the garden that needs weeds pulled out of it. Don't look past the yard that needs to be mowed. All of those things are the exact place where he wants to not only make himself present through you, but he wants others to be able to see that you are in union with God by the way you handle those things. I, I don't I don't know how, how else to say it, but it wasn't until I realized that that what the church is proposing is that you don't have to be a bishop or a priest or a brother. You don't have to be a monk. You don't have to be out. It's you exactly where you are is where God wants you to have an impact. Not by trying to come up with quaint or quippy words, but just living out 
your vocation in love and in truth. You know, for years growing up, I heard this phrase. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a kind of example of when I would hear it. My father would ask me to say, you need to go out to the backyard and you need to pick up the dog poop. <laughs> you need to shovel it up and get it up off the yard. And, you know, I'd stomp out there, 11 years old or 10 years old or whatever, hacked off that I have to do this, you know. <laughs> and I'd hear, he'd stop me and ask me to come back in and he'd say, I want you to go do it joyfully. Right. I remember, you know, as a kid, I'm thinking, joyfully? You want me to pick up the dog mess joyfully? Right. <laughs> Joyfully. Yeah. How am I supposed to do that joyfully? That is not an enjoyable job. No. But that's an example. But I would hear that just growing up, that phrase, do it do it joyfully. Do it joy. Something I'm asking you to do, do it joyfully. And what he was trying to get at is exactly what Pope Francis is talking about, what you're talking about, is doing those little things with an eye towards I'm doing it for the family, for the good of the family. I'm doing it um willingly to to help out i'm taking my proper place in the in the family right um i'm taking whatever is put on me as a as a part of my burden my job i'm picking up my cross and i'm just i'm just Absolutely. doing it willingly and with um so, just selflessness and giving myself to that that's that's it and and I'm not. I didn't get. <laughs> I well, no. Didn't, I mean, all of I didn't get very good at it. And it's a it's a constant work in progress. But it is certainly something that has stayed with me. And it's a something that I I bring to bear on my my children. Now, thankfully, we don't have animals at home, so they don't they don't have to pick up the dog mess in the backyard. But there's other things they have to do joyfully. No, absolutely. And and I think I think that it's that it's always part of the struggle. And we think we think. Well, this is a I'll, I'll use I'll quote Francis because I think, um, and I think I've got the the idea for the for the um, for the for the Bible verse at the end. But let me just I'll start with this. He's it, it, this is in three. You know, the letter to Hebrews presents a number of testimonies and encourage us to quote unquote run with perseverance the race that is set before us. That's Hebrews twelve one. It speaks of Abraham and Sarah, Moses, Gideon, and others. Above all, it invites us, invites us to realize that a quote-unquote great cloud of witnesses impels us to advance constantly toward the goal. These witnesses may include our mothers, grandmothers, or other loved ones. And this is what I'm trying to point out. Their lives may not always have been perfect. Yet even amid their faults and failings, they kept moving forward and proved pleasing to the Lord. See, I think most of us think every time I, that we fail that we get closer to just, you know, I ought to just give up on this. You know, it's not worth it. I, I keep doing it over and over and over again, losing my temper with the kids or not being joyful when I, when I do, do the work. What he's pointing to is a fact because I think we in our minds think that all these saints – never got angry. They never lost their temper. They never became impatient. You know, that's why I always love mother Angelica because she'd always point to things. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I lose my temper all the time, you yeah, know? Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that she was never, af she was never afraid of calling us to be patient. Even in the midst of the fact that she herself would admit that she wasn't patient, that she was impatient. And I think that's a great, point that we don't have to be perfect to be able to point out what we do have to do is be able to look at ourselves and say, Hey, I'm not a saint. I am not everything that I'm proposing to you that you should be, but nevertheless, I'm still going to call you to the standard and I'm still going to call myself to that standard. And I may fail day after day for as long as I live, but it's the, I think, I think is, I think is, uh, Opus Dei, the founder. Jose Maria, Jose Maria Scriba. Scriba. I think, I think he had, I think there was a quote that we used to have. I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's basically, you know, saints, saints are not people who haven't failed. 
there are people who have failed and gotten back up every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that that's where we is we have to encourage one another. Um, we have to encourage one another to, to recognize that just because we're a sinner, just because we've failed, um, maybe multiple times, that's it. Remember, as a parent, I've always said one of the greatest ways you can impact your children is when you do make a mistake, that you are not afraid to clearly define what the mistake was, what I did wrong to them, to confess it to them and to tell them or ask them to please forgive me. I, I think that has way more impact than pointing at somebody else and saying, this is what you did wrong, <laughs> you know, and this is what you need to do. Um, they're much more ready to do that. I mean, to respond in a way of, I need to convert if they've seen in you the struggles that you go through trying to live out the life. Anyway. Um, yeah. In 23, he says that the examples of the, of the saints and this awareness of the personal call to the universal call to holiness. He says, this is a powerful summons to all of us. You too need to see the entirety of your life as a mission. Yep. Try to do so by listening to God in prayer and recognizing the signs that he gives you. Always ask the spirit what Jesus expects from you at every moment of your life and in every decision you must make so as to discern its place in the mission you have received. Allow the spirit to forge in you the personal mystery that can reflect Jesus Christ in today's world. I think what's really neat about that idea of your life as a mission is that yes, we have that idea of mission as, you know, you're going to go off and you do a mission trip in Central America or somewhere or missionaries. But missionaries also has that military aspect that we're going to, you know, do our training and we're going to get our equipment ready and we're going to work as a, a team to go perform some dangerous, important mission that we're going to have to be willing to give our lives for, sacrifice our lives for. We're going to need to depend on one another to carry out that mission. And, you know, you start looking at, you look at your life in that kind of a tone that really, that really elevates it. Even at the same time that he's saying, but that doesn't mean that you have to go do all these extraordinary things. You can have this life of mission in the ordinary. That's, that's paradoxical. It is. I, um, you know, I, I remember Professor uh, Bushman, when people, when we were asking, like, you know, where, who, who are we supposed to impact the most? And he goes to the, the good, he goes to the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. He, he says, how do you figure out, we were saying, like, how do you figure out who God is calling you to have an impact on? And his word was proximity. He, 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 he said, in most cases, the people that you are closest to are the people you're being called to impact, to make Jesus present to. And you can expect that those people, in turn, will be the people that Christ reveals himself through to you. And it's always stuck with me that so many people want to run and go off and do, and there's, listen, I'm not, this is, please, this is not a, an indictment of anything. Lord knows, you know, my, my daughter's going to Haiti, This and I'm excited for her. And, and I think it gains perspective, um, and I think it's very important. I think she can have an impact. But his point was the majority of your life is going to be. We're always, again, I think we're looking for that, that big trip, that big moment. Yeah. And what Pope Francis is saying here, and what I'm challenging is, it's every moment, right, right. wherever you are, and the majority of the moments that we find ourselves in, the vast majority, never done a calculation, are ordinary stuff. Who's going to do the dishes tonight? I mean, why is the who's going to pick up the dog mess in the backyard? I mean, giving your order to somebody at some. Restaurant, at a and restaurant and deciding, am I going to treat them as a human being or am I going to treat them as an instrument to my own pleasure and satisfaction? Every one of those places. And 
I, I, I read during, during or just after my conversion, I read a book um, by a Baptist guy named Henry Blackaby. Um, I don't actually remember the name of the book, but what I do remember is his talking about that Jesus, and I think in, in John 15 or 14, talks about that he looks at what, it may have been earlier, maybe it's 10, but that, but, um, that Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking at what, where the Father is working, and I go join him in, in doing that. I, 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 that's how I do it. We have to have the eyes of faith to recognize that, yes, God has somebody for you to say hi to today that needs the hi from you not from anybody else that needs you to be the kind word or the gentle encouragement that may be a, a, or the, or the, or the positively critical correction. I mean, we have to have, again, as a mission, this idea of, I wonder who God is going to introduce me to today. I wonder who he wants me to have an impact on and then not be so caught up that when you're tired and that child comes and says, I want to tell you about some things I've been thinking about, some dreams or whatever, instead of saying, hey, I'm tired or I've got really want to watch this show that I'm doing or, or I've got other things to do, maybe can we do this later, to stop in those moments and see and recognize Christ present in that moment. I mean, really, you can't ever get bored <laughs> if you really have the eyes of faith to recognize that, that every moment, no matter how ordinary, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter how many times you've driven a kid to school or helped a kid with homework or walked from your car to your office, there's always something that God may be asking you to do. We have to have the eyes of faith to see it. And, and also the, um, I, the the prior commitment that if that comes up, Holy Spirit, I want you to touch me and I want to be open to that moment. And it can be as simple as a kind word. It can. I mean, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the big things. And, and he's going to, it is the accumulation of the little things that makes Christ present to others. And to go back to your point about when you do, fail when you do fall down and you you don't you don't live to that mission here's what the holy father says about this and it's just so spot on and and uh, right in the tradition says the lord will bring your mission to fulfillment despite your mistakes and missteps provided that you do not abandon the path of love, but remain ever open to his supernatural grace, which purifies and enlightens. And that's that whole concept of cooperation with grace. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to cooperate with grace. It's not, it's not, you know, just God doing everything. Um, you have a, you have a stake in it. You have a part to play in it. You have, you have to walk that, and that's part of the Calvary. That should be the part of the excitement that I have that I have something to do. I think that we as Catholic Christians need to 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 live it out, but but also echo to our children and to others that that greatness greatness can be found in the ordinary. You know, greatness must be able to be found in the ordinary. Um one of my, I don't have the Bible with me, but this is one of the verses that really just, that really bothered me for a long time. Um, I believe it's, I think it's John fifteen fifteen, um, or thereabouts. But it's where Jesus says, it's where Jesus um, says, um, greater things than these you will do because I go to the Father. Greater things than these. I used to, I had written in, in an old Bible. I still have it at home, but I'd written, you know, greater things, question mark. And then you start looking at your life and you go, what great things? I'm not healing the sick or, you know, making the blind see or all these different things that Jesus did. I'm not walking on water. I'm not raising people from the dead, all that. What do you mean greater things? And there's one aspect where you say, well, maybe I don't have enough faith to do those great things. 
And I think there's a temptation there. I think that God's definition of great things is different than our definition of great things. Mm. (laughs) I think that what he's pointed to is you have no idea how in, 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 in union with the perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross, which by the way, very important that we teach our kids to make an offering daily and to recognize it in those ordinary moments that those are all things acceptable to God because of what Christ did. But that those ordinary, everyday challenges, failures, successes, um, pains, whatever it is, all those things are great because they're united with Christ's sacrifice. They, they are united. If you think about it just from the mass standpoint, and it's important, I think, for parents to look at it, when, 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 when the priest sometimes, you know, prior to consecration will drop that little bit of water into the wine, there's significance to that. that, that there's a couple things. Number one, when the water goes in, unless you had run some sort of test, you, you, you can't even, you couldn't tell, like if, you had a before and after picture and you showed it to somebody and say, okay, which one had it and which one didn't <laughs> you, you can't recognize it. It's so small. It's a drop. And it's meant to show us that that represents all that not only we've done, but everybody has done, but is now united with what Christ has accomplished. And then is again, it then is offered to God, the father in the greatness and perfection of that sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, all of ours become acceptable to God. And even though, despite it's so minuscule, it's still necessary for the validity of that sacrament. Correct? I don't think that actually it is. Oh, okay, but I, I, th- I don't. I don't think. I think you could do it with just with just wine. Okay. From a validity standpoint. Okay. However, the, you know they go to great lengths because I think. I forget what the words are by the mixing of this water. My mate, may we humble ourselves. I forget, but it's talking about divinity and humility together and recognizing that I could be wrong about that. I we'll, I we'll check on that. after We can, the show, we can check on that after the show, but, but, but the bottom line is it is something that is done as a matter of course. There are many things that may not, may not change the validity of something, but the church has chosen to put it in there for a reason. Yeah. And part of that reason is to communicate that it matters because it's united with Christ. And no matter how little you can actually see it, it has infinite value because it's united with what Christ has done. And, and we have to start living that way. Every little sacrifice, letting somebody cut in front of you in the grocery line, or, I mean, every little sacrifice united with Christ's perfect sacrifice is infinitely valuable. Yeah, die, die, die to yourself, die to your own priorities, die to your own agenda, die to your own. I would say God is so, so grateful to God that most of us, most of us will not have to um, be hung on a cross to die. Most of us will not be martyrs. We're all called to be martyrs. What does martyrdom look like? Martyrdom is Sam going for the sake of someone else, I'm going to lay down my life for that. How does that look in ordinary stuff? It, it, it looks like the let that person cut in front of me when I'm in a hurry too. It looks like, hey, I'm going to help you with this, even though I've got other stuff I really need to be doing. Yeah. I mean, those are all little, you know, martyrdoms, I and guess. If, and if my little example can help too, it's, Go pick up the dog crap first, right. then work on doing it joyfully. You don't have to yeah. do the picking it up and the doing it joyfully together every single time, but eventually try to put two, both of them together. I, I think we as Catholic, we have, to, we have to start doing it. There's a reason why Jesus makes himself present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in what looks like a cracker, okay? He could have picked all kinds of things. He could have picked very shiny things, very things that jump off the page, like, wow, what's that? He didn't, you know? He could have picked all different ways to make himself present, but when he says he comes back in Matthew 25, it's in the least of these. That's why people miss him. It's in the, it's in when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. Well, who's hungry? Well, 
the poor guy down the street that doesn't have any food is hungry. I don't really like him, but I'll take care of Jesus. No, Jesus is linking himself with that ordinary person. I don't think, I I think that everything, and he united himself. He could have come as a king. I mean, he could have come as a, in a palace with, I mean, all kinds of things, but he came and was born in a stable. I mean, everything that he says points to this, and it's our application of this truth that is true holiness, our uniting ourselves with him in that. So anyway, I um, thank you so much for for everything, uh, Thaddeus. I This is one of my favorite topics because guess what? Most of my life is pretty boring, you know, (laughs) (laughs) pretty ordinary. And I fail at those things. Snooze fast. But, but I, but I, but I, but I want all of us to be challenged today to see that holiness is lived out in that ordinary. But actually your point is it's not boring. It's It's not ordinary, but it's not boring. Right. Ordinary, but not boring. Because it's charged with meaning because you, you get that you're on this mission. Right. And, and do that. That is the Catholic way. Put, put the Catholic goggles on and begin to see in the ordinary God at work in your life. So what's our, what's our memory verse? Memory verse, let's do uh, Hebrews 12.1. We're, we're surrounded by so great a number of witnesses, right? And, and I think that we have to re- rely. They've gone through it, too. And, and we can call on them as well. We didn't talk to them, but we can call on those saints in heaven to strengthen us in the everyday. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good one, Hebrews 12. 1. Okay. Um, anyway, so uh, remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will in those little small things. So God bless you guys. Have a great day and rest of the week. And pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 